Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation. Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. I'm your host, David Steinmetz. The show came about uh, mainly out of my daily conversations, whether I'm jumping in and out of an Uber or the rideshare service or at a networking event is typically asked about how does somebody who is blind do whatever that task is and trying to educate, bring awareness and demystify blindness through this show and through my conversations and daily work as a community and public relations manager. I'm really excited to connect with my guest today from the Cooking Without Looking TV show and podcast. The Cooking Without Looking TV show and podcast is the first and only TV show featuring people who are blind or visually impaired. Renee uh, Reedmister created this program about 21 years ago, and it has reached over 25 different countries worldwide. So let's get the show kicked off today. Renee, Alan, and Annette, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, David. Hey, David. Thank you, David, for having us. Oh, my pleasure. I uh, I reached out to the group uh, a few months ago after uh, my wife uh, was scrolling through Instagram, and she came across the Cooking Without Looking TV show and said, you got to get these guys on here. Their their mission, their positive attitude, and the awareness that they're doing on a daily basis to really kind of change that that perception or, or demystify blindness and what through cooking and having conversations. And that's one of the things that I really thought was great about bringing you guys on. Uh, before we get the show started, if we kind of maybe just go around the table, as they would say, do some self-introductions, and, and then we'll get into the show. So, Renee, how about we kick off with you, please? Okay. Hi, I'm Renee Rentmeister, creator and executive producer of the Cooking Without Looking TV show and podcast. Thank you, Renee. Alan, please introduce yourself. I'm Alan Preston, and I am very proud to be one of the hosts of our Cooking Without Looking show for over 21 years now. Thank you, Renee. No, you're welcome. No, thank you, guys. Hi, yes, I'm Annette Watkins. I'm also a host on the Cooking Show. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody. So, Renee, as the creator, uh, executive producer, uh, running the podcast, and... and She's cooking uh, bottle washer. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did this show come about? <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, I was I was working at CBS, and I was uh, one of the things I was was um, uh, create. I was a community services uh, a producer and uh, manager. And what happened was, I was always put on a lot of boards. And so once I left CBS and started my own advertising company, I wanted to <clears throat> choose something that could be a legacy for my family and something that would help people 
And, you know, TV has always been my tool since I was like 17. And so I, I just thought that would be a, a really great way of showing what people who are blind or visually impaired, how they live, because a lot of people don't know that or else they have like really old ideas. So TV's always been my tool. And I thought that was the way to do it. Fantastic. Wow. Long, long career in TV and, and production. So a fantastic media to really get out um, that message. And I, it's interesting that you, you say, you know, an old image uh, of blindness or people don't know uh, about blindness. And that's the whole concept of my show about changing that perception right, is, is what are people who are blind able to do, right? We all want to live independently, um, whether you have a disability or not be able to be self-sufficient and uh, contribute to your family and society. And so uh, a lot of times we find that it's just unknown because most people don't have an experience, whether it's an interaction with with somebody, either through work or uh, family or so forth. So it's really kind of that unknown of, of blindness. Alan, how, how about you? Can you tell me a little bit about some of your background as the host of the show, the TV show for 21 years? What is your background? I was uh, born in Illinois. I lived with my grandparents my first 10 years up in Toronto, Canada. Then I moved to a farm in northern Minnesota where I probably learned more stuff <laughs> in years than I've learned my whole life since. Wonderful experiences. I have been legally a blind person, basically I have a little bit of eyesight. They tell me I have an F3 level. I'm not real sure what F3 means, but when I see light and dark and high contrast, I have no color perception. Now, I've managed to cook and do stuff like that most of my life. I lived independently. And one day, Renee came to a little club I was running called the Braille Club. It's just a social organization. She said, we'd like to have some blind people down for an audience for our new show. So me and I don't remember how many other people took a little bus down there and went to Sub-Zero Kitchen. And I was wandering around and somebody stuck a camera in my face and the lights came on. And they said, how does your guide dog help you cook? And I says, he cleans up after me. And everybody thought it was pretty funny. And the next thing I was asked to be part of the show. Thank you. Awesome. Great, great story, Alan. Thank you. <laughs> and Annette, how did you get connected with the Cooking Without Looking show? Okay, well, first of all, I apologize. I don't have the video on because in order to hear you, I have to put this up to my ear like a regular phone call. But at least you can hear me. Yes. How I got started in the show, it's kind of a long story. But my, as far as my eye condition, I guess I had it. It was congenital and I had it all my life. But because I found out I have a cousin in France who has the same condition as me, but it really didn't manifest till I was like 33, about that age. I went to college, I had a job and then I had my favorite dream job, which was like a pharmaceutical rep. I noticed I was having trouble using the laptop in the car and, you know, everything kind of took me longer to do. Like I would hold change in my hand. I couldn't tell which was a nickel, what was a dime. So I went from doctor to doctor. I actually went to about four different doctors until one actually said, I'm sending you to Baskin and Palmer. It looks like you have something like a retinal issue, your central vision. I didn't know what they were talking about. And now I learned from being in this atmosphere for 
what, over 20 years, that there's so many different eye conditions. So many. I meet people all the time with different conditions. But anyway, I got diagnosed with Stargott's disease, which is the, many of you know, it's a juvenile form of macular degeneration, which means I have central vision loss. So when I first started out, my vision was like 2040. It wasn't bad at all. And now I'm 63. Okay. I proudly say, and my vision is like 2400, 2600. So it's gotten progressively worse, but I'll never go totally blind. Um, for those that understand the condition, I'll never go totally blind. But I got involved in the, in the cooking show about 20 years ago with Renee. A friend of mine sponsored her first show and he brought me along to be a host on there. And the rest is history. I started out doing Food for Thought, which I interviewed people from various companies that had machines and different equipment for the blind. And it slowly evolved into actually cooking. So now it's like a jack of all trades. We just do whatever we can do, either host or host other people or cook ourselves. So that's about it. That's in a nutshell. Thank you. Thank you, Annette. Thank you, Annette, for sharing your story and and, uh, Mm -hmm. your background. Certainly, there's, you know, as our vision changes over time, um, those with retinal diseases, mine is uh, retinitis pigmentosa, which is a slow progression of the rot, uh, loss of the rods and cones in the retina, which decreases the field of vision and so forth. And he, as that time mm-hmm. progresses and, and the vision loss decreases, we, we all have to adjust our, our lifestyle a little bit, maybe uh, adjust and, and learn new techniques to continue to live and do the things that we wanted to do. And so I think your show is really a neat experience. Uh, and Annette, kind of as you touched on in terms of some devices that you use to be able to measure food and, and so forth. Would you maybe explain a little bit more about what some of those devices are, Annette? Oh, okay. In the kitchen. Let me yeah. think now. Basically, I use everything else anybody would use, but I have to use a magnifier to see it. Now, timers are always great because I can definitely have to put everything on a timer so I don't forget anything. Uh, Sometimes you don't know if it's actually done, like maybe a rice or a pasta. Um, Actually, I use my finger a lot when I pour beverages because you just put your finger towards the top of the cup so you don't overflow the cup. And basically, I use everything else. I use regular, I use knives, but I kind of hold my fingers differently. I kind of curl them in just to be careful with the knife. I don't like packaging that has, and I wish someone would do something about this, packaging that's red boxes or red package with black letters. Mm -hmm. Very, very hard to read, even with my magnifier and small print. That's a nightmare. Um, I don't like to follow recipes. Um, If I do, and it's in a book, sometimes I'll rewrite it in big print. I love YouTube because it's verbal and audio, and I could just listen as many times as I need to in order to get the recipe, or I just make it up. And I I don't like baking because in baking, you have to measure everything, Mm -hmm. but I do have some very good measuring spoons. Actually, I pack them now because I'm redoing my kitchen, but (laughs) um, they're very good. The ones that are like the cups, not the not the actual glass cup, but individual ones mm-hmm. like for a cup and a quarter. And they're very helpful. And then I take my magic marker and I write it bigger on there. So usually it's just a raised part of the appliance. It has, it's mm-hmm. bumpy, but it doesn't, can't see it. So I take a Sharpie. Sharpies are our friends. 
right. black sharpies. Right? <laughs> this is a couple tips there. I'm sure there's more, but I, I haven't never really listed them. Maybe I should list them, but I'm so busy just living my life sure. that I'm like, I have a type A personality. I've always been. And it's so frustrating for me because I want to do everything fast, you know, because I have my brains going faster than my eyes can go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I have to I have to slow down and open my mail with the magnifier and every, everything's so in, intensive. Everything is so much writing. You get letters, you get scams, you get you oh, get yeah. everything. I just tell, <laughs> ask my boyfriend, would you just read this for me? You know, and sometimes he, he won't because he wants me to read. Sure. I, I just like, I don't want to say hate, but I just like reading the mail, especially when they send you a lot of stuff in the mail. So sure. that, I don't know if that's helpful, but there's a couple of things that I do. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm, sure. And Renee, um, during your introduction, you mentioned you you worked at CBS and then you wanted to continue on in, in, um, in your advertising company. Is there a particular reason or how did you choose blindness and cooking without looking as, <clears throat> as your theme? <laughs> well, um, I, I started talking to a lot of people. Um, I, I chose blindness because I thought that was a group of people that we don't really know a lot about, but it was also uh, a group of people. You can go blind. It doesn't matter what religion, race, color, you know, no matter what you are, you can be rich and be blind. You can be poor and be blind. And there was something that stretched out to any kind of person. So then I, I took that and then I got to thinking, I started putting myself, because I did not know any blind people. Everyone always asked me, well, do you have a blind child or a blind family member? No, I didn't. I, I got the list serves on um, the emails. I signed up for like a bunch of them uh, where everyone was blind. And the ones that were most popular were the cooking ones. Hmm. And somebody said to me once I was trying to think of a name and someone goes, oh, what about someone like cooking without looking? I go, yeah, that sounds great. And then I found out about the lady who did the treatise from Texas that was called Cooking Without Looking Like in the 60s or something. But anyway, so I thought that was a fun way of teaching people about blindness because we all have to eat, no matter if we have our eyesight or not. But I also thought it was an easygoing way because I think sighted people get really afraid to ask questions. They think that, you know, whatever it is going to offend someone or it's improper to ask. I, I just thought it was a relaxed way of getting to know one another and sort of being friendly and hanging out in the kitchen and, and talking about a difficult subject, but trying to make it easier to talk about. Wow, that's great. Cause that is, um, you know, a, a great avenue to have conversations. I know in, in my house, uh, if we have a holiday or gathering, right? Where does everybody end up? Everybody ends up in the kitchen. That's right. And mm-hmm. um, the conversations just continue on and on and on. And so it, it's a great avenue to um, to really bring awareness of blindness, uh, to educate and, and um, bring, bring different perspectives uh, together as well. Alan, in terms of your, your professional background, and then uh, your, you mentioned that through over time, your, your vision continued to, to decrease. 
And uh, I think I'm probably have an F4. I'm like a hurricane that, that goes or tornado goes through my house. Uh, maybe that's a new thing that I should uh, nickname I can give myself. But in terms of your uh, professional background and then moving into this, this role, did you go through any type of vocational training uh, and in terms of independent living uh, and really being able to, you know, whether it's cooking, um, you know, kitchen, safety and things like that? Well, not really. As I say, I, I lived on a farm through my teenage years. And I learned an awful lot about organizational skills and keeping track of things. And uh, even though I couldn't really see too well what was going on, I always managed to figure out how to do it somehow or other. Can't really explain all of it. Mm -hmm. For for getting around in life and for everything else, little skills we learn when we're cooking are really helpful. Organization a place for everything and everything in its place so you know where it is the next time, handling knives and other sharp objects safely, and learning about hot temperatures such as stoves and uh, welding machines and various other things. It all kind of plays. It's not just in the kitchen, but it's all part of life. So true. So true. And I imagine, as you mentioned, growing up on the farm, right? Uh, you need something, you make it. Uh, it you need to be repaired, you get the tools out and you, and you fix it. And, and it's developing those skills and uh, creativity to help you get through life and dealing, you know, solving problems. Uh, and whether it's uh, measuring out food or flour or uh, sauces, etc., to, as you mentioned, welding or, or something along those lines is, um, you know, you, you identify the problem, yeah, uh, you lay out a course of action, and then uh, you kind of just get down and dirty and get the job done. It's a knowledge of what I can and can't do. I know what I'm able to do and what I'm not able to do. It's a knowledge of the environment am I in. Am I familiar with my environment? Am I at home or am I in an unfamiliar, bleh, unfamiliar place? And the third part of that is a knowledge of the task at hand. If you want me to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I've done it a million times. I know exactly how to do it. But if you want me to uh, repair an automatic transmission, well, I'm completely out of my <laughs> So it's kind of a knowledge of yourself, a knowledge of your environment, and a knowledge of the task at hand. Sure. Great. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So your show's been on for 21 years. Uh, great longevity there. And so that means that um, obviously you got to find people to be on your show. Uh, Renee, uh, maybe you can answer, and then and, uh, Annette or uh, Alan, if you wanted to join in on the, the, the response. And how do you find your guest uh, to be on your show? Wow, it's really easy. <laughs> people, people ask to be on the show. As a matter of fact, I was doing a podcast with one of the first people. We were on PBS in South Florida, and um, one of the little girls she was nine years old at the time she was totally blind she i talked to her yesterday for the podcast i found her on facebook and she jumped at the chance to be on again uh, on the podcast and then on the show as well you know now it's even easier because we've got facebook we've got all the other things uh, all the other social media i put things out people people jump at the chance they really they really want to be a part of it i i think that the the show not only teaches 
about blindness, but I think it helps people who are blind or visually impaired to have some self-esteem. It helps their confidence grow. One person said to me, you know, I thought I'd never do anything like this. I always wanted to cook on TV, but I'm blind and I didn't think anyone would want to see me. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think that's another a bonus point there. Wow, very true, uh, right? The, the confidence building uh, that leads to other things. Alan, um, would, anything that, that you'd like to add to that? Um, I, well, he's kind of said it all, but uh, I, I'm very happy that we're able to not, especially teach people how to cook, but working with people that have been cooking most of their lives, and then suddenly they get afraid to get in the kitchen because of the hot stove and sharp knives and like that. And between our guests and Annette and myself, we show people how you can do this stuff safely and effectively and encourage people to remain active in the kitchen. And that's kind of what I like about the show. Absolutely. I think it, it's very inspiring. It's motivating. Oftentimes, you know, uh, as I was on uh, my journey through through blindness is really understanding what is it that I'm able to do or capable of doing. Sometimes you look for some inspiration, mentoring, or wow, oh, you know, th these people over here are doing it. There's no reason why I can't. And uh, it, so it is definitely sounds like it's a great opportunity to inspire, connect to uh, people who may have recently lost vi their vision or people who have had vision loss uh, and experience vision loss their entire life is gaining the, the confidence and the abilities to be uh, independent and being able to take care of yourself, which leads to lots of uh, new opportunities um, for yourself and your family and the community. Independence, it's what it's all about. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, in terms of, of your show over the last couple of years, uh, we've had some challenges in, in life. Has the pandemic impacted your show in, in any way? Well, in a very positive way, actually. We were looking for, um, you know, we're still looking for a forever home on TV, whether it's Netflix or one of the streaming services. I've contacted, you know, Stevie Wonder and all different people. But because we had to use Zoom, I always say that we're powered by Zoom. Because we had to use Zoom, we actually reached people up to, we're now up to 33 countries. From the time I talked to you all the way till now, mm -hmm. we're up to 33 countries, including the United States. And I, I think that's amazing. I, that I would have never thought, like you guys were talking a little bit before, you know, we've used, Zoom has been around for quite a while, but we didn't really use it till the pandemic. And now it's essential. And if not for the pandemic, I would have never thought to use Zoom for the show. I was always trying to raise money for the production costs, to cover production costs and raise sponsorship money. And uh, with this, it was it was great. It's like smoke and mirrors and we're still getting our message across. Wow, that's great. Um, that, you know, technology is a powerful, you know, a very powerful instrument tool that really bridges a lot of gaps, right? And and we we yes. found that uh, that out over the last, especially over the last couple of years, and even for for the blindness community, um, that ability to to connect with 
transportation being a challenge, uh, right, to uh, mm-hmm. whether it's in, in uh, getting to and from work or just in daily living and having the ability to to connect with family or friends or even do your work through Zoom really helps to kind of level the playing field and, and give people who are blind and people with disabilities that opportunity to participate in, in things that they may not have participated in before. Yes, exactly. And that were you going to... No, I just wanted to say that I noticed that, you know, with the the Zoom, it's just opened up a whole new world. It just made the blindness world smaller. And the fact that you just turn on your computer, we're talking to people in St. Lucia, South Africa. And a lot of these people don't have all the resources that we have here in Mm. the United States, or they live out in a rural area. But this way, they, they don't feel as isolated using Zoom and be able to be a part of our show. So I, I found that to be very um, inspiring and emotional too, because uh, these people that are on the show, they're very grateful to be on the show. And a lot of them never been on a camera before. It kind of shows when you see the tape, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but they're, you know, everybody's, everybody's learning how to do it, you know, where to place the food, how to, where to look at the camera, how to do mm-hmm. everything. So I, I think it's a, an awesome thing. It's a great thing. I'm, I'm just so excited instead of spending all that money on production just for a TV show, which is good too, but this reaches the whole world. It's amazing. And uh, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's so true, right? Like, like I said, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it bridges those gaps, um, mm-hmm. enables you to have such more diverse audience, uh, more diverse perspectives. And then I think the more perspectives that we can gain and the more we can learn from each other, the better uh, we are as individuals and our community and really the world is we continue to learn mm-hmm. about each other and understand. And, you know, as I said, towards the top of the show, right? De- demystifying blindness or demystifying a culture or things like that really help and technology is really helping uh, bring mm-hmm. that to the forefront. Well, you so, know, David, oh, I'm sorry. Annette. No, no, go ahead. Uh, well, you know what? I was making this point to someone one day. I said that we have all these wonderful programs that help rehabilitate people who are blind and, and help them work and do this. But we had, there was nothing to show what pe- people who are blind or visually impaired can do. So they've got all these wonderful programs and still this whole group of people is hidden and and all of the activities and all of the experiences, it was all hidden. And and the TV show sort of gives a platform to all of the people and all of the organizations that help change the lives of people who are blind or visually impaired. Impairment, especially here in South Florida, but I imagine it's around the rest of the country. Transportation is a real issue because you don't drive a car. I mean, there is alternatives. There's buses and there's asking friends and things. But it isn't like having your own transportation. And all of a sudden, since this wonderful technology has come out, I can go to a meeting in how many different countries, Renee? (laughs) I I think we're up to like uh, six or seven. Wow. And, And... I'm just sitting here in my living room. I can join in <laughs> and I don't have to deal with transportation. Thank you. <laughs> That's a great point, Ellen. Great point. Yes, it, it certainly has been a, a fantastic tool 
for the disability community, for the blindness community to be able to have that connection, right? I can, I can attend a conference for work, you know, from Phoenix that is in Washington, D.C., Florida, or anywhere else in the country or the world. Um, I can participate in different lectures or e- events and things like that, all, uh, you know, from my desk or from my home office or from the couch. Uh, so it, it really definitely... Um, and, and in your jammies. Yeah. <laughs> So true. So true. <laughs> if my boss is listening, that never happens, though. No, never happens. <laughs> never happens. No, 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 no. Never happens. But it, it's it's great opportunity, um, you know, and then it opens up, you know, employment opportunities. It opens up social opportunities and uh, builds new friendships. And, and uh, I think within the disability community and prim- primarily with the uh, blindness community, I think people oftentimes feel isolated, uh, right? Because we don't have that instant access to transportation or um, I, I want to run over to the grocery store or Home Depot. I, I have to plan that. And so uh, it's easier to not do it than it is to do it. So I think it creates some isolation. And I, I imagine your TV show um, and using technology helps kind of break that isolation down a little bit, right? Yeah, it, it sure did. And um, it it does break the isolation down and it helps people. Um, it gives people something to do also, you know, it gives them something to look forward to. People get so excited, you know, just to do this. And, and I get like a little kid because it, it just makes me so happy to see these people get so happy and you know, wow, I love doing this. And everyone's practicing and everything. And someone said to me one day, well, you must edit, right? And I said, no. You mean no one makes any mistakes? I go, yeah, yeah. We leave those in because we want to be authentic. You know, if you're blind or visually impaired or sighted like myself, you make mistakes when you cook. I've dropped knives by my feet, (laughs) bare feet, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so let's be authentic. Let's not look like we're, um, you know, uh, what is it? King chef or whatever shows out there. I don't even watch cooking shows. I don't want to look like I'm copying anyone, but, um, let's, let's be authentic about it. This is the way it is. This is what happens. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. That's just part of the process. It's okay to make a mistake sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So true. I mean, as they say, life is messy and, and sometimes being in the kitchen, <laughs> being in the kitchen is messy. So yeah, I think maybe sometimes we get caught up in things have to be perfect. A certain right? way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And through your show, through your podcast, TV show, through this podcast and others really is really the way I live my life is not much different than the way anybody else lives their life. And yet things happen. Um, yeah. I cut a finger or bump into something, uh, you know, I think I have this conversation with, with my wife and family a lot too, is, you know, things, you know, you trip over something, bump into something, it, it's just part of life. And it right. shouldn't be something that you should be, have to necessarily be apologetic for, or to try and, and be something that you're not. Yeah, but I'll tell you, hold on a second. Um, Oh, oh, I just, can I say something? Yes, this please. isn't it. 
but I'll tell you in life, it could get kind of messy when you're out in public because I've walked into the men's room when I should have walked into women's room. Now that, that is kind of changing where they're given one bathroom for everybody, but I don't like that either. But the point is, is that I feel real awkward sometimes when I'm out mm-hmm. in public because I have to walk really slow to the restroom to see what the door really says. Mm-hmm. And there's people behind me where they want to get in and I'm, you know, trying to read it before I walk in. And I have walked into a men's room instead of a woman's room. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I but guess you I know, need to keep your sense of humor. I'm not, I've done that too, especially <laughs> at football games, at dolphin games. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> On purpose because the lines are shorter in the men's room. Oh, good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah, but yeah. But you so. know, I guess a sense of humor is the best tool in the old toolbox, I think. Yeah, but it gets tiring when I'm out shopping, you know, women, you know, you want to look at prices, you want to see what's what, where the restroom is at the store. I mean, I've had to ask people all the time, can you tell me where the restroom is? And they're like, man, the sign's right there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. You know, sometimes I feel like they think I'm <laughs> stupid or I, I don't like to be like having to ask everybody for everything, you know, because reading, reading is so important in life. I mean, you got to read in order to function a lot. Of time, you know what I'm saying? You just can't go through life not knowing stuff reading. or knowing yeah. where things are. So sometimes it could be awkward. Yeah, you keep a sense of humor, but sometimes it's frustrating. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, have you guys noticed throughout this past year and a half or so how very little information about corona has been made available to those of us with visual impairments? I didn't notice. Lines everywhere. There's little round things on the ground. I can't see that stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? It's, uh, accessing information, whether it's printed or electronic, right, is, is a challenge uh, when you're in public of organizations or stores um, really is where education uh, accessibility is is really crucial uh, right for especially for their customers who they're trying to serve and, and people in their community blindness is one of those representations one of those sectors of a community that that organizations really be aware of and provide assistance and I and I do see that uh, there are organizations uh, that are working to have uh, you know, one of the the major hardware uh, lumber uh, home improvement stores. Uh, you know their their team members are wearing. They have you know that they are sign uh, no American Sign Language or uh, that they have technology or something to assist. You know maybe somebody who is deaf and they have other. Uh, support services within their their company. So slowly, I think that that is changing. Uh, but absolutely, Alan, to your point, right? As you know, what is six feet apart when when you can't see? Uh, is having that right. having that ability to say and and help somebody um, be able to be independent or to be safe uh, in in an environment? I always like that line. Oh, you don't look like a blind person, <laughs> right? Yes. Exactly. What, what does that look like, right? And, I'll go put my makeup on. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan, from from your experience on the show, what would you say has been the major accomplishment for for you and and for the show? Wow. 
21 years, I'd say, is a pretty major accomplishment. Sure, yeah. Like I told you before, I, I like the idea that people who are visually impaired, probably even newly visually impaired, that we can give them little tips and encouragement that, 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 that helps them keep active with something that everybody has to do, which is eat, and teach them a little bit about cooking and being safe with knives. And, and, and even though you can't see well, still being able to, to work around a hot stove or an oven and prepare a very delicious meal, not only for yourself, but probably for your whole family, too. I think that's quite an accomplishment. Yes, absolutely. And that anything that you would like to add as a host uh, and connecting with, you know, your guests on mm-hmm. on the show. We say that we're we're doing the show for them, of course, but it it really helps up us as well. I know I've gained a lot more confidence because it took me a long time to accept my visual impairment because I don't look like I'm visually impaired. I don't have a dog. I don't have a cane. Maybe I should because it would keep people from having expectations of me higher than what I can do. I don't, you know, it's hard to accept mm-hmm. that. And I don't know any blind people. I have no friends or family or anybody that has my issue. And I, sometimes I feel all alone. So doing the cooking show and being able to own it, being able to own my visual impairment mm-hmm. and say, okay, I have this. It's fine. I'm still, I'm still whole. I'm still me. You know, this is what I have. Everybody has something. That's what mm-hmm. I always say. Everybody has something. Even if yep. they don't have a visual impairment, they could have hypoglycemia. They could have diabetes. They could have so many things, so many things. And people, we don't know. We don't know what people have, you know. Ours just makes us, well, I have to speak for myself. It makes us do silly things or, or stupid things or things slowly or you can't participate. Like I do a lot of volunteer work and they always want to put me at the front desk checking people in. You know, I love I love working with people. I like being pleasant and welcoming welcoming them to whatever. And I can't do that because I can't look at the thing and find them on there in a quickly mm-hmm. in a quick manner. So I always end up being a greeter at the door. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> welcome to Walmart. No, mm-hmm. not that. But you know, I, I always I always have to be a greeter. And I'm I'm smarter than just a greeter. I want to do more. You know, I sure. want to do more. But it's hard for me to sometimes you know accept. My visual impairment, sometimes it just frustrates me. Sometimes I just give into it and say, what the heck? I'm not going to do anything, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. run off and, and just volunteer and just get the free food. And I'm not going to do anything here <laughs> because I can't do anything. And but, the free wine. And the free wine, of course. But um, so I think the show has, it not only helps people that come on the show, but it helps us host to feel we have a purpose because I can't work like I used to work as Mm -hmm. a pharmaceutical rep because I can't drive around. Mm -hmm. You know, I've lost some of my game as far as doing all that. I used to call on doctors and now I I don't have that stimulation anymore and I have to find it in other ways. And I don't know, there's a lot to it. And just speaking to you today gets me thinking about all this again. So in a way, I, I want to thank you for that. In a way, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so true. It's interesting. Yeah, so. I, you know, you bring up a good point, and you know, through as I talk about uh, whether I'm educating, you know, a, a rideshare driver or somebody that mm-hmm. I comes up and starts talking to me on the street about my blindness, and as kind of you said, everybody has something, right? Whether it's uh, you know they're having a 
a major life event. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to find a way to overcome those those challenges and mm-hmm. to be able to live your life in the manner that you want to live your life and be able to uh, do things that bring you the joy. And you, you have to find, whether it's technology um, or a mobility aid or, or whatever, whatever that may be, um, to kind of pull yourself up, you know, by your bootstraps and, and go forward. And so mm-hmm. I think we all, as, as human beings, often find at one point in our lives, having those, those barriers, having those, those challenges, and digging deep within ourselves to move forward, to find, find that positive, that light to move forward. So I think uh, you know, the show helps, helps you do that and helps do that for other people. And Renee, I say, you know, last to, to you and on that question of, you know, 21 years of going out and starting this up, is there one experience or one thing that really stands out to you? Wow. <laughs> How about the first day we did the shoot and the guys in the camera saying, okay, look at the camera with a red light on. They had education, didn't they? <laughs> well, they we, the teleprompter underneath the camera. They, huh? they wanted me to pay for a teleprompter. And I said, they're blind. <laughs> you know what? It, what's funny is um, I think of like the humorous things that have happened. And uh, I think, Sometimes we equate sight with intellect. Sometimes people think that people who are blind, you know, maybe they aren't as smart because um, there was one lady who I went to help. I went, she had strokes in the back of her eyes. So she became totally blind, but she was like a Mensa. She had been a Mensa person and I, I was helping her organize everything in her house. And she goes, you know, people think I'm stupid. My friends think I'm stupid. I, she goes, I don't know. She goes, I'm a Mensa. How could that be? And I said, but your your sight and your intellect are two entirely different things, you know? And uh, I think that was something that hit me a lot. It hit me also when I went to one of the um, dining in the darks. And I, I, whoa, I started freaking out. I was, um, I was <laughs> taken to a table and there was no music or anything. And I, I, I became very um, claustrophobic and I learned, then I asked a friend of mine who was totally blind, who became totally blind. I said, did you have claustrophobia? She said, I didn't, but that happens sometimes. And that was a big thing that I had to learn because all I kept thinking in my head was, please turn on the lights, please turn on the lights. Mm. And then I kept thinking, oh, you know what? There are a lot of people you just can't turn the lights on for. They're not going to see any better. Uh, that was something that really stuck to me um you know like the things that happen it's beyond sight it's mm-hmm. beyond you know having vision or not there are things it's our whole body integrated very true yeah i think you know things you were saying they're really really powerful right is about you know having that shared experience even though it was for a dinner or for you know a certain amount of time that you can make the connection that for for some people that is just their life and they have you know adapted they have probably still experienced some of these these fears that you know some things that the net talks about is that you know it's not always perfect and and how we manage and work through those those challenges or through those those fears and and uh, move towards that other side i think is really important as well as the the 
part about connecting with people and having a lot of times I'll, I'll say when I'm talking to a group is, you know, how many of you are, are brothers and sisters or husbands, wives, et cetera, right? How many of you are professionals went to college? Close your eyes. Are you still that same person? And so, uh, Renee, as you were talking about whether the blindness changes who you are, and it really doesn't. It, it, it changes how you do things, but you're still the same person. You're still, uh, you know, the sibling, the college graduate, the professional, whatever, whatever that may be. And it's to have the training and support to be able to continue to live your life, I think is, is you know, crucial in the messages that I try and get out uh, through the show or through my um, activities uh, through work, my professional career, is that you can still be productive, you can still contribute, uh, people who are blind still have something to give back to um, the world. Uh, and sometimes we may have different, you know, the, our, our differences are often bring additional value things that maybe someone else didn't see in that process or in that um, group. So I, I appreciate you you saying that, Renee, because I think those are some really important factors to think about when uh, we're talking with or to um, or introducing or learning about uh, people who are blind or people with disabilities. We're coming up towards the, the end of the show. I wanted to just kind of go around uh, again and see, you know, are there any last uh, thoughts or comments that you'd like to to add to the conversation? Uh, I'll start with you, Annette. Okay. Well, what you just said was very, very well put. Really um, touched me a lot because it's so true. And um, I just want to say that I think if you can use your blindness or your visual impairment to make you better instead of make you bitter. I know it's done that for me. It's made me more grateful for everything I have. Um, my son is visually impaired as well. And he told me, mom, it, it's made him a better person because he has more mercy towards others that have disabilities or what have you. And um, so I want to just say that at, at the end, that you could use it for good or you could use it for bad. You got to think of the positive things that you have in your life. And go with that. So it could be a, it could be a lot worse. And um, mm -hmm. just thinking of the train, uh, the guy. What happened? I think we may have lost the net. Maybe I'll move over to to you, Alan. We'll kind of keep uh, keep the, the train okay, rolling. Okay. I'm glad you gave me just a little bit of a shot here. I would like to introduce you to one of my favorite pieces of technology. Would you like to meet my service dog, Bell? Bell, say hi to the world. <laughs> She's pestering the devil out of me right now because it's dinner. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I know that feeling. Granted that you don't have to do a whole lot of cooking with dog food, but I'll tell you what, aside from being a trusted guide, she is also a very good friend during this time of isolation and that with the COVID thing. She really is. And that you need to get a dog. Hmm. Um, I don't, you know, not that I wouldn't want one, but I think someone else can use it better than I. And I know it costs like 40000 or something to train yeah. these things. 
there's people worse off right now. I was thinking of a cane, though, just so people leave me alone. And then probably if someone tried to rob me at the bus stop and I'll just beat him with the cane. I don't know. <laughs> I carry. I, carry I, like, a I like to stick my vicious dog on him. There you go. There you go. Vicious sign in her entire that, life. That, that definitely is a safety thing to have a dog. I think when you have yes, a dog, people aren't going to mess with you that much. And I travel on buses a lot, so it's it's been very helpful to me in that aspect. That's too. good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Renee, I'll pass over to you. In closing thoughts. Oh, final thoughts. Um, I guess. No matter what, whether you're blind or visually impaired or hearing impaired or sighted, you know, we have to remember to be compassionate with one another and to empathize with one another. And my father always told me, you know, figure out the why. You know, if someone isn't acting right, ask them why. Why, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. Always figure out the why and hmm. why someone is acting the way they are and then just Give them some compassion and grace. We'll try that during road rage. <laughs> uh, be, being a passenger, it's tough because you know I used to drive oh, yeah, all the time, tougher. and then your your person who's driving has road rage, and you're just sitting there going, "Oh my gosh!" The other day, I had to oh, duck God. down. I had to duck down because my my friend was driving, and they got really pissed at another person. Oh, and they start we beep beep the horn and everything. I said, "I'm ducking down. What that bullet's going to come through your window?" <laughs> oh my, that, that's that's pretty scary. Well, uh, I wanted to, to thank each one of you um, personally in terms of sharing your story, sharing your insights, your experiences, your show about changing the way we see blindness is your, you know, your tagline and using cooking as, as that way of getting that message out is fantastic. Um, you, you. It sounds you're, you're doing great work touching many people's lives around the world. At the same time, you're learning and growing as well. So fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for your time and your guest. Uh, and able to, for our guests to be able to find you, you're on uh, LinkedIn on Facebook, uh, and you have your own podcast, right? Right, right. And also on Twitter. Also on Twitter. Cook Without Look. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we have a YouTube channel to Cooking Without Looking. Fantastic. Thank you. I encourage everybody uh, out there to visit those sites, uh, whichever means that you, you choose, and learn and share and, and um, really broaden your horizon through that. So I want to thank you guys. And in, in closing, I have to say that as we go forward and, and the purpose of my show is really to demystify blindness, break down some barriers, um, and, and really raise the awareness that people who are blind or visually impaired with the right training and the right technology and the right attitude can be successful in the workplace and be included in the community. Thank you. Mm -hmm. David, what is the name of your podcast? It is called Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. Changing the Perception, so I can look it up and start listening if I want. Okay. Changing the Perception of Blindness. Okay. Yep. So Excellent. we're going to wrap up here. We'll have our outro music and uh, just really appreciate everybody's listening. Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time with your host, David Steinmetz. 
Be sure to subscribe to Changing the Perception of Blindness One Conversation at a Time on your favorite podcast platform. And tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 1 p.m. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity.